Hi, I'm Sabrina Soto. I believe the best conversations are with friends who are really able to open themselves up and share their lives, both the good parts and the bad. You're going to be listening to some of those candid conversations and hopefully gaining some insight to help you redesign your life from the inside out. Today on the podcast, I have John and Sherry from Young House Love. I adore them. I love their style and their personalities. Today, we're talking about why they quit their blog a while back, the challenges of working with your spouse, saying no when sometimes you doubt yourself, and all around life. So let's start. First of all, thank you guys so much for chatting with me. I feel like you guys are my neighbors. It's, <laughs> seriously, like you are my friends, even though we've never met in person. I know. It's so funny. It, I would like totally have like a five night event with you, which is like a long commitment, even though we've never met. Cause I'm like, we know we get along. We DM all the time. For sure. I feel like we would be best friends forever. And we could have a sleepover and I'd like do your nails and you could do my hair. I, that sounds I feel amazing. like I'm not part of this. Anymore. No, no, John, you're invited. <laughs> you're going to cook for us. <laughs> Yeah. You'll do like really important things like leave the room when we're talking about deep things. (laughs) No, John, we want you there. I promise. But I have so many questions for you guys. First of all, I know you've talked about this many times, but I do have questions that I think other people would probably have. But you spoke about in your podcast number episode 14, to be exact, that what you learned about taking a year off of blogging. But my question is more broad about how did you walk away from something that was making a living? Like, I understand why you did. You said that vacations were starting to be taken over, like your life was starting to be taken over and overridden by the blog. But how do you walk away from something that is so lucrative? Well, we didn't do sponsored posts and the world was doing sponsored posts. So it was lucrative for lots of other people. Yeah, (laughs) that would be like one side note. (laughs) And I think also we had left the doors open in our previous careers. And so we didn't feel like it was like total free fall. It did feel like burning down something we worked really hard to build for a long time. And yes, from a business perspective, it was really not smart. But from a like life perspective, it felt like the only choice to make ourselves like happy and balanced again. Like we knew we couldn't say, we're just going to go down to even fewer posts and less stuff because like it was not what our audience wanted. Right. And it would make us feel like we were under delivering and they would feel like frustrated with what they were getting and used to a certain pace and level. Well, I think we tend to be sort of all or nothing type people, whether that's a good quality or not. So I think we had trouble figuring out what the middle ground would look like. So, you know, we went to the dramatic end of nothing. But um, I think also what gave us some confidence to make the dramatic change was we had done that previously in our lives with previous jobs. Like when we left New York City where we met working, we quit our jobs there and moved to Virginia without jobs here just because we knew the improvement and quality of life and what we wanted was so important to us that we would make it work somehow. And, you know, that was scary, but we landed on our feet eventually. And it was also kind of the same scary decision when I quit my full-time job to work with Sherry full-time on our website at the time, because it was also the day that our daughter was born. We were becoming parents and people without like full-time income out of the house with health insurance and all that stuff. So like that was also a scary change, but it worked out. So I think it gave us a little bit of trust in ourselves that we could see our way through scary changes. Yeah, I right. agree with that. But that's a that was a big shift. It was a breaking point, I think. It it was to not like underplay it. 
it was not something we did lightly, but we both physically and mentally had to do it. Like there was no possibility. We had tried for years, Sabrina, to do fewer things and less stuff. Yeah, to scale back and like try to pull back gently and it wasn't working for us. We just could not do it. We'd say we're going to say no more. We'd make resolutions. You know, it's it's like anything else. You say you're going to do one thing, but it's really hard to do what you say all the time. And so it felt like a lot of public proclamations. And it was like we kept just like messing up in front of the world. And it felt amazing to decide to just like not be in front of the world anymore and just figure things out like behind the scenes instead of continuing the like public folly that we felt like was going on. Right. Because people say you shouldn't work with your partner and then you shouldn't do renovations with your partner and you guys do (laughs) all of it. So how do you even manage that? And I mean, I know every couple fights, obviously, but you both seem to have such a great partnership. Like how really do you manage it all? And then on top of that, have two amazing kids and a little chihuahua. We definitely fight. I always say that because I think people think (laughs) we're just like kumbaya all the time. We definitely have learned and we've been together. What is this like? We'll be married. Um, 12 years this summer. Right. And so together, 14 years. So like we've known each other a long time. We've learned what doesn't work. And so I think we just try to be better, but we're not always perfect. So like, yeah. What doesn't work in your relationship? I think any Oh, wow, Sabrina. Sorry. (laughs) No, because we even had this this morning, like an hour ago. Anytime we don't communicate and we bottle something up, then it explodes instead of just saying it at the point. So I think now we're at the point where we will talk frankly and like- not without respect. We always respect each other, but I might not sugarcoat something to John the way that I'd sugarcoat it for like the cashier at Target. Right. <laughs> or, or a boss or an employee in a more traditional work setting. Like, I think it's funny. We do get this question a lot about how does working together uh, work? I mean, how do people who are in a relationship also run a business together? And I think when we think about it a lot, like the skills that you use in a successful relationship or marriage aren't that dissimilar from the skills needed to have a successful work partnership, whether it's with a spouse or whether it's just with like, you know, Joe Schmo at your office, like the ability to communicate, to compromise, to resolve issues, to be organized. Like those are all things that come in just raising a family and running a household. So I think it's not that far a leap to work together as most people think. Um, I just but think, wait, but Joe Schmo, you get to leave the office and then come home to your partner and be like, uh, Joe Schmo was a total schmuck today. Yeah, that but is no, a good point. You're totally right. But I think what John was saying, cause we've actually debated this, like with our friends at a dining table, we were like, don't you to run your household have to be organized and communicative and understanding and, you know, do you have to discuss things and come to an agreement on anything from like the way you raise your children to where you're going on spring break? Like as a family unit, you are constantly communicating and compromising and like navigating things together. And I think those are the exact same skills we use in our business. Right. But I think your point is right, Sabrina, that one of the challenges that is unique to this is that you don't have the breaks and you don't necessarily get to come home and vent to your spouse about what happened at work. You don't necessarily have that release as much. And that that can be challenging. And I think that's probably the issue that most couples who work together run into is that you have to try to separate the disagreements or the challenges at work from what happens in your household so that you can like look across at the dinner table at one another that night. Right. And so that's, I think that's just something, again, you practice and it does come back to some of those same skills of conflict resolution 
in a marriage as well. But I think we also have found that even though we are doing so much together during the day and working on the same projects and challenges, whether they're work or family challenges, we do still have a lot of independent tasks and independent time. So you do get that breathing space away from your partner. And I think that is actually probably a key part of working together is is to make sure you still have distinct roles and responsibilities and tasks where you can do them separately. Right. So do you guys have a schedule? Never. Wait, (laughs) because you have to get everything done while the kids are at school. So we have a schedule with our family, like our family life is much more scheduled and we have deadlines for work. So we'll know something is due at a certain date. But when we usually laying in bed, which is probably bad advice, because you probably the last thing you say to each other should be romantic and not what we're going to do tomorrow. Yeah, sure. But we have we've realized that it's like good strategy at the in the evening to say like, tomorrow I want to hit the ground running and do X, Y, Z. And that way, if one of us wakes up earlier than the other one, because we're very independent, we we run on separate schedules and I'll take one kid to the bus stop and, you know, John will be doing something completely independently that morning, working on an email or a call. And so we like to establish the night before what we're going to do, because I might be humming along for an hour before we meet up again and figure out what's going on. And so I think by making those goals the night before, it's really helpful. I've heard that that's just like a good business tactic anyway to write down. It's called like eating the frog. Like you write down the three biggest tasks or the one big thing you must non-negotiable get done. But I think scheduling we work around our children's schedule. So like we know we have to pick them up at certain times. We know they have certain activities or whatever. And otherwise we just are like, okay, that thing's due Friday. It's Wednesday. Let's work as much on Thursday morning as we can. And maybe Friday morning we'll send it off. Do you have a staff? No, 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 one. no. We have no, no, we have a guy who does our taxes. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> No. You, I mean, John's parents are wonderful. They live in Virginia and they watch our kids every Wednesday. So our kids go to school now. So they just pick them up after school every Wednesday, which is excellent because if we have like a late meeting or if we run to Cape Charles where we're working on a beach renovation, we can get back at like six or seven that evening instead of being back by the bus stop. Amazing. I mean, it's I, really helpful. It and is. again, going back to that schedule, we'll say like Wednesday's the day to do that big thing because we don't have to get the kids after school and we can just purely focus. So I would say if you don't have someone like that who can help you and you're listening at home, just even knowing we have one day that's like solely devoted to work really helps us push the bigger things to that day. And it makes us get them done because we don't, it's not flexible. Like we don't also get that luxury on a Thursday. Well, and one lesson that we learned from that time off and where we sort of made a transition from kind of our old blogging style and what we do now is that we realize that we're in a a fortunate position by running our own business to craft our work time around our family time. Whereas before it felt like we were cramming work in at every free moment. And so we have tried to only fill our plates as much as we can fit in that time that doesn't interfere with, you know, dinner time with the kids or bedtime with the kids. It's not a perfect system. I don't want to at all pretend like it doesn't happen and work doesn't bleed over more into family life, but it has helped us think about what can we take on? What projects do we have time for? What's, you know, what's a valuable thing to add to our plate? Um, because we have to see if it fits in there and the slots that we have available. Yeah, I think before the break, we were saying like, yes, we'll figure out how to squeeze it in. And I think now we usually the default is no. And then because we're very happy with what we're doing now, we keep saying we're not trying to grow. We don't want a staff. We don't want to be an empire. Like we're very happy keeping our plate small and doing a good job on the things we have. Like we don't like for things to fall through the cracks and be 
poorly done. And when you're not looking to expand to a staff, that's what happens when you add more. So I think we generally say no to almost everything. And then we focus on doing the things we love as well as we can. The saying no, I guess I struggle with this a lot, is it's difficult for me because this came up in my life yesterday. I said no to a job and then I get off the phone. I'm like, oh my God, you know, that would have been nice to have that paycheck. And gosh, I had to pay these bills. And it's really difficult because, well, for me as a single mom, it's even more difficult because it's solely on my shoulders. But how isn't it, do you ever say no to something and then second guess it? I feel awful. But then later, what I like to do, this is going to sound crazy, Sabrina, but you should totally do this. Write in your calendar when that job was going to be and say like, said no, but this would have been the week I did that speaking engagement or said no, but this would have been the month I had to deliver on that room. I guarantee when you see it in your calendar, you will be so proud of yourself because you get to that moment and you're like, I never could have fit it in. Like, I love that advice. You have to do it because I had to do that to see the value in saying no. Because like you, I saw it as losing money, but now I see it as gaining time and sanity. And isn't time and sanity and like family stuff the most important? Like we're here on this earth for that. We're not here on this earth for income. You know, we need it. So I don't want to act like we don't need but to those work. shoes. I wanted those shoes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right, no, you're, you're right. right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think we also are very good at making like making it work, you know, and you and I, Sabrina, we're like creative and we think outside the box. And I think we even if we say no to something, there's going to be something else that comes along that's fun and maybe easier or faster that we can do that. We'll be so glad we freed up the time. I and love didn't that take calendar. Time. That's amazing. Yeah. You do it. Okay. But going back to you, like balancing work time and family time, you're very much like me, John, you talked about it at that speech that you made that Sherry is all about like commenting back and responding back to people. And I feel that way too. Sometimes when I'm with Olivia, somebody will ask me about a paint color and I'll run into my office just to get the paint fan. And then I feel guilty. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just left Olivia just to do, to respond. But you, I feel the need to get back to people. And I know that you're like that too, Sherry. So how do you balance it now? Being so open, maybe not as open as you used to be, but being so personable and connecting to your readers and then also connecting to your family and being present. Yeah, it's re- it's. It, I'm not going to act like it's easy because it's not. Generally, what I try to do is not look at things unless I can answer them because I have just come to the understanding that if I open my DMs on Instagram or if I open my email, I'm I'm going to be a little bunny like you running around looking at some, like people will ask me for like a UPC code or like a paint color. Like you said, they're like things I have to run around and do. And so I try to just do that at times when I want to be doing that. And I don't even invite the pull of that magnetic people pleasing, like happening into my life unless I have time for it. So like a good example for me would be like, sometimes John and I have to drive to a meeting or drive to run errands and John's driving. So I will open Instagram and I'll say, sorry, I'm like not going to be very fun in this car ride for 20 minutes because I'm going to just answer DMs. But I will get it done in that moment because I'll know I'm not with the kids. We're not having dinner. Like this is a time when John can listen to a podcast and I can do this. And it's just sort of like, almost like we're together, but independently getting stuff done, which is a lot of working together anyway. Right. And so another example would be like, I love long walks and I listen to fun music and have a good time, but sometimes I get bored. And if I don't have a good podcast to listen to, I might say, well, on this walk, maybe I'll just like do a little bit of email. And I know that sounds crazy. Like why, how do you not walk into a tree where I walk? Is I like do the, the same widest. thing. It's so bad. 
<laughs> where I walk is like the widest path and I'm in nature. And like, yes, I could be being present and noticing the dew on the leaves and noticing the smell in the air and the birds. I do tons of that. I walk so much every week that sometimes I just decide like, of all of my exercise and walking, I'm going to devote 10% of it to work because I'm actually getting to do the thing I love and check stuff off the list. And it's got to be done. Got I it. think the other change that we have made is also just to try to manage and limit the places in which you invite that that feedback oh, and those true. questions. And that's true. Like, what do you mean? Uh, well, the, the clearest example is that we turned off the comments on our blog, which right. is a terrible strategy right. for anyone who says grow your blog and search engine optimization. But we realized like that was such a big time suck because we had created this venue for constant feedback and constant questions. And so we just decided to say like that's a, a a section thing we're going to section off and say like no more for that. So we've kind of filtered right now. Most of the feedback and questions come through Instagram. And so like Sherry said, now she can say like, if I don't open my Instagram app, I'm not going to open myself up at this moment to get sucked into that vortex. I'm not constantly getting notifications on it or anything. Right, Cause I have my notifications turned off for Instagram, Sabrina. That's also very important. Or yeah, you will I do always too. be finding the paint color. Yeah. I have friends who have them on and I'm like, why it's just constant. Yeah. And, and also sometimes if something is going on or the day has gone in a way that's been busier and we don't want to, again, invite an opportunity for all these comments and questions and, um, you know, no, we're going to dedicate that time. We'll just say like, you know what, we're not going to post something right now or tonight. Like we know, again, as a good social media person, you should have a regular posting schedule and you need to make sure that you like stay in people's feeds so they don't forget you. Like all that advice, we just sometimes have to say like, you know, but not right now for me. Like it'll be fine tomorrow if I do it then. Like it can wait a day so that I'm giving myself this space yeah. because I know thyself that I'm going to suck, get sucked in and it's going to take an hour or two or whatever. Like, do I have that hour or two? No. So I'm just going to not going to do it. Right. Yeah. We really value our evenings now. And so generally I will post twice a week on Instagram. That is it. <laughs> not Insta stories. Then she's on. Yeah. I'm oh, on I love your old Navy pants, girl. <laughs> Insta stories to me that's like just fun and it takes five seconds it immediately uploads like there's not a public comment chain that if I don't answer where the curtains are from I'll have 50 people asking where the curtains are from and have right. to like go crazy doing it on Insta stories if someone asks me where the jeans are from I'll do another story and say the jeans are from here and it immediately answers like 50 questions so I find it more doable I know some people who think Insta stories is harder I think it has to do with personality types and like how pro I'm very not pro at Insta stories you're like, hilarious but why isn't John ever on it oh John where are you and why isn't your picture on Instagram Oh, John wanted his picture on Instagram because he was like, the stories you post, I cannot have people thinking that's me and you. This is this is your ship and you are the captain. Well, <laughs> that's we've hilarious. had a challenge in our whole time blogging of um, when our accounts are John and Sherry, people not really knowing whose voice they're coming through. So we made a decision a little while ago that like, since Sherry's pretty much the one doing Instagram, like let's make it clear to everyone that that's, that's Sherry talking. And so I've sort of taken over Twitter. Yeah, John's the Twitter guy and Got I'm it. over you on know, Instagram. Your picture's still on Twitter. I, Yo, I, you should, should boot you me off. right off that. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up, Sabrina. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's like when I posted an Insta story and it would be like, I'm ooey gooey, crazy mommy googly eyes at this lamp. Then John's like, Please say this is Sherry talking. <laughs> Why haven't you, you guys both have such a great sense of humor. Why haven't you done a show? I know you spoke about so many production companies approaching you guys. And I know that when you were first dating, you tried out to be on Amazing Race. So you, I think you're open to being on TV. Why did you say no to having a renovation show? 
Well, I mean, we didn't for a while. Like I distinctly remember like years ago filming some sort of real sizzle reel thing to send into someone when, cause when you get that first invitation, it's exciting, you know, like I think a lot of us, um, at least if you've grown up around the same time that we have, like getting a TV show seems like the, the pinnacle, like you've made it cause you're on television. But I think some of that has somewhat shifted, um, with the advent of social media. And I think probably your experience, Sabrina speaks to a lot of this because you've done television and now you're crafting your own way and these other social media as well. And you see how like those in some ways are almost, um, as powerful or powerful in a different way, um, than having a TV show. And I think, I think the other thing for us is we realized, um, again, I kind of know thyself is that we are control freaks in a weird way. And oh, I was going to say, I could not be filmed. Sabrina, what are you talking about? You, you would be amazing. I, I will walk away from the camera and then be like, that was just a shot of my butt. Like I am too in my head to be filmed because I start to think I messed it up. I messed it up. And I'm not like that when I talk, which is why I love a podcast because I can be nerdy and let it all hang out. And people just get that. I feel like it doesn't come across wrong because the context is there in my voice and in my inflection, even more than writing on the blog. I think people who listen to our podcast know me better because they get when I'm joking and I don't have to say in parentheses like I do on the blog, this is a joke. Right. Like people right. get inflection. But for some reason on TV, I almost feel like I'm too in my head to be myself. And so I think I do a disservice to myself. I'm stiff. I'm unnatural. I'm I remember later what I really wanted to say and I don't say it. And whereas like on Insta stories, I'm like, what's up guys. And it's like the <laughs> podcast. I'm really casual. I'm not worried. I'm not like being filmed, entering a room and fluffing a pillow. The most awkwardly a human has ever walked. Oh my <laughs> gosh. We've had an opportunity to do little random videos here and we watch them back all the time. And be like, who are these nerds? They're so <laughs> um, so just don't have it. You have it. Sabrina. No, I, well, I sometimes watch it myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, she seems so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Little do people know how crass I am. Why don't I know how to walk? Why don't oh I know where to put my hands? Like I turn into an alien impersonating human on film when in real life, I feel like I'm more natural, but I just can't do it in front of a camera. Well, I think you guys should revisit that because I think you would be amazing on camera, like having your own show. That is very kind. Of, well, you even told us in the episode when we interviewed you, like television is a lot of work too. Oh, you yeah. know, like so much goes into just like a half hour show that the audience isn't privy to. Yeah. It's like 22 minutes takes five days of shooting. And so I think that's, I think it takes a lot of commitment for someone and, you know, you have to be kind of all in. We've had, you know, some friends through blogging who've had the opportunities to do shows or pilots. And I, I remember one where someone's like, you know, we just, we spent like two weeks renovating this bathroom and it didn't make the final edit. Like, you know, they Especially the scale at which shows on like HGTV have gotten these days where like every episode is a whole house. Right. No, my first show, Get It Sold, I would have to do five rooms and then curb appeal and maybe three rooms actually made it into the show. So I I would be devastated of all the work that I've done. Yeah. And I've also heard like you can get a, a friend or a sponsor, like say, you know, a little Etsy shop and you love them and you can be like, will you make this poster for me? It'll be on TV. And they're like, yes, this is my big break. And then it like doesn't even make the show. And yeah. that breaks my heart for that like that was so excited that they were going to get their like mom and pop shop on TV, you know. But now if that happens, I will make sure that I give them a shout out on social media or my blog, whatever, because, yeah, that happens all the time. Um, OK, last question for both of you. OK, who's, let's see who's going to go first. John, you first. John, oh, what's your favorite thing about Sherry? 
My favorite thing about cherry, there's, well, this is going to sound cheesy because there's lots of things. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that aligns well with what we've been talking about so far. I think the thing that I appreciate most in our relationship about Sherry is that she is such a dreamer's not the right word, but like Sherry is um, gets so excited and is so ambitious about some things and can see the potential of either a house or a project or a business idea. Uh, I mean, even the things early in our relationship about like, you know, we should quit our jobs and move to Virginia because we're not happy here. Like she is the risk taker in our relationship. And that in some ways is very hard for me and antithetical to my nature because I'm a very practical person. But I think I've realized over the years, like I need that in a partner because she's the reason why a lot of the exciting things in our life have happened. The reason that we, you know, we live where we live and we have uh, the opportunity to have these beautiful homes and projects. And the reason we have this business, the reason we have kids, like it's it's her pushing us to the next thing. And so it's hard to imagine how different things could have been if I didn't have that in a partner. Oh, I love that. That was so nice. <laughs> Sherry, I just did you a favor. So the whole time I bet you weren't even listening to him. You're like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? That was so nice that I was like, the funny thing is what I was going to say. Because even before he started talking, I had the answer. Mine is the exact foil of that, that John like keeps me grounded and he balances me. And like, sometimes I have the weirdest, like harebrained goals. And then we talk about it and we talk it through. Cause he's like, I don't know if that's practical. And then I'm like, you're right. That's really dumb. Like he's not like the, the bummer. It's not that he's like the realist, but it helps me because I think I'd be going in like a million directions. And like, I think I know when to push, like I really did want to buy our first house. I really did want to buy our beach house. I really did want to buy the duplex. And I don't think John would have done any of that if I hadn't been like, I'm pushing more because this is really right for us. And this is going to be great. Like I know sometimes his auto response is no. (laughs) It is my my default. (laughs) But the reason I appreciate that is also even like when we were talking about calming down and saying no more and taking on less and being less crazed. I think I would still be wrapping myself in a tizzy and going crazy if I didn't have John to constantly reflect the values I want to have, which are more peace, more time for our family, more relaxation, more travel, like all these things we say we want to do. But then my instinct is to go the opposite and push harder at work and take on more things. He like grounds me and he brings me back to reality in such a refreshing way. And in a way that I know if I super push, I still get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah like- that's a real answer. I still get the like beach house, which just changed our life. I still get this house, which John John literally said about this house. But what's the something special? <laughs> what's the like, something what special? What do you mean everything about it is special? It's a fixer upper in a neighborhood that never has fixer uppers. I was really set <laughs> on having nine foot ceilings in our next house and I didn't get it. And I was upset about it at the time, Sabrina. <laughs> Are you over it? I'm totally over it. <laughs> now we have them at the beach house, so it's fine. I can't wait. I cannot wait first for my invitation to come. And then I can't Your wait. <laughs> open. You, you know what? You should come down this fall, like a little bit after the high summer season when it's a little bit more calm and the duplex is open. You can just come. You can bring Olivia. You can bring anyone. Tanya. You can bring Vern. We can have all our Golden Girls moment. Oh. Like anything you want. Again, I, I would like love a Golden Girls moment. <laughs> John's part of it. Who could John be on the holding? You know what? I'll He's Stan. John, you're going to be Stan. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> thank you guys so much for your time. I know you're busy and I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on your podcast and inspiring me to do this. Oh, good luck with everything. I think you're amazing at talking. You already know that. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. 